Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, it's another episode of the Believe in Padres Prospects podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. San Diego's number one sports podcast network. Do you have that part memorized, Wade? Proud of you. Yeah, that I think that's the uh, <laughs> only part. And you know, it only took me uh, 69 episodes. Nice. 69. This is a big episode. Nice. 16, I've never, uh, never hit 69 episodes with anything. So congrats to us. And I know this is a big one for you. I mean, this is what I was shooting for. This is what uh, podcasters in the uh, basement dream of. They're shooting their 69th episode. Bigger than 100. Definitely. Def- definitely. This is, this is our milestone. And we've got a big guest. Eno Saris from The Athletic, previously from Fangrass. And uh, I think he does stuff for MLB Network, too, especially when it's like the trade deadline and draft stuff. So... Um, I know Padres Twitter is familiar with him. I think that's a good get for the show. Yeah. A nice follow on Twitter. How many times do you think is it a ni- nice today? <laughs> You're going to keep trying to get it in there. I think you can get it in as many times as you want. Nice. <laughs> so we've got Eno Saris joining us, and hopefully he doesn't listen to the the childish routine from Wade before the show starts. But uh, before we get into the rest of the show, the NFL Wade is in full swing you might not be at the game this year or at your I'm at this is you know not at the bar either which is where you and I usually watch the games but you can still be in on the action at bet online from game spreads totals to team player and coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online and there is always the online casino as well which you also am very are very familiar with it never closes so head to betonline.ag today take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Who does that read better, you or me? Nice ad read, but I would say I'm a little better. No offense. Okay, well, you do have more practice. So before we get into Eno, there's a couple things that happened today that I wanted to talk about with Wade. And we talked uh, briefly about it with Eno because it happened – just a couple hours ago, the Padres tendered Tommy Pham, which just basically means that because he's arbitration eligible, they have the option of picking up his deal or letting him walk. And I think a lot of people expected him to walk, but instead we're getting, you know, probably an $8 million one-year deal for Tommy Pham. What was your initial reaction to that? Really didn't really care. I mean, he wasn't, he was, he was good in the playoffs, but him being hurt all year. He was just a fill-in player. He's not a long-term solution for us. This is, yeah, this is kind of what I fear with him is just uh, not so much the age because he's older, but not old yet. It's the, the injury history and the injury he he's had to deal with this last season and then getting stabbed at a strip club and he had 20 stitches and now he's suing the strip club. Um, hand injuries, uh, he doesn't run like he used to, although we saw him steal bases early in the season. He doesn't play defense that well, and he's right-handed in a very right-handed heavy lineup. I love that he, he doesn't strike out a ton. I love that he walks a lot, well above MLB average, and we were comparing him to kind of 
like if Jock Peterson uh, becomes available and he would would he be interested in signing? Is is he an option to replace Tommy Pham? And Eno Saris, uh, I, I don't want to spoil what he says, but um, I think Jock Peterson is still something that the Pottery should look at is a, a platoon option in left field. And especially if there's a DH, you have a guy like Jock Peterson who also walks quite a bit historically. Pairing him in the outfield with Pham and, and Myers, just it's another power left-handed bat, which I think would complement the rest of the lineup kind of nicely. I would agree. I think that's Pottery's nice Twitter does not. Agree. I think a lot of people on Pottery's Twitter do not like Jock Peterson because of his his loyalty to the Dodgers. I the, the, someone cited that like, he threw a fit when he got traded to the Angels. This is a little different because he's a free agent, and if he decides to leave, you think he'd be happy with whatever he chooses. That's his choice. So. If he does go with the Padres, I don't think anyone should be worried about him having this loyalty to the Dodgers anymore. It's it's pro you're baseball. Loyal, like guys move around. Right. You're loyal to the money. You're not loyal to the team. It's just Padres love to hate him because he's on the Dodgers. I get it. But they see him as an asshole. If he becomes our asshole, that's another asshole on our team, you know? Yeah, did did anybody like Manny Machado before he came to the Padres? No. If you say you, you say you did, like you're kind of full <laughs> of shit. Yeah. Nobody liked him. He was kind of a dick. And I think he's, he's, nothing, he's done nothing dickish since his time in San Diego. He's been a great teammate. Everyone loves him. And I, he's, our, he's our guy now. And if other teams still hate him, cool. Like, that doesn't affect me at all. I, I would feel the same way about embracing John Peter. One time he, that one time he dropped the bat when he was running to first. Like, Jesus, man. Oh, that wasn't great. He dropped it in the path of the catcher. No, right? he just dropped his bat. That was completely fine. Everyone blew up on him for no reason. No, I, I, I saw that. I, I didn't like that move. I have to disagree with you on that one. Okay. Agree to disagree. It's, uh, it's allowed on the show. Civil discourse. So other stuff going on. What was the thing that you posted to our like Padres group chat just a few minutes ago? Baseball America named... Uh, our bench coach. <laughs> the bench coach, Bobby Dickerson, as coach of the year. What yeah. what the hell was is that? I don't understand that at all. I have no... I can't even formulate a reaction because it's something on my spectrum of like analysis that doesn't it doesn't fall anywhere. I don't know what to do with that information. You know, it's just good to get the recognition from uh, <laughs> Baseball America and our boy Kyle Glazer making up uh, votes for not uh, including Cronenworth, as he mentioned a couple weeks ago on the on the pod. Was this just Glazer trying to redeem himself? Exactly. Okay. Well, then, if it if it's just that, then you know I'm okay with it. But I think I'd re- I think Jake deserves a little more credit than Bobby Dick, at least. I mean, I don't. I, I couldn't mean, tell maybe, you. Maybe he was in on the dances that they were doing in the dugout, and he kind of was coaching them how to dance. And if that was the case, he doesn't look like a dancer. He is all deserving. Well, do you think it was just him? Um, coaxing the best season out of Machado ever because it kind of, in a small sample, it was Machado's best season. I think he coached a lot of best seasons out of Padres. All right. Well, there you go. Then I think give all the credit to Bobby Dickers fire. Jace Tingler. Is that what we're saying? I mean, Jace Tingler doesn't have a bench coach of the year. It's true. Award. Uh, why do we need Jace Tingler? All I remember from Jace Tingler and what I'll remember forever from this season specifically is that, he was mad at Tatis for swinging on a 3-0 pitch in Texas. That's all I'll remember. 
Yeah. And there's no denying it. He was absolutely mad about it. He didn't, he had to talk to the talk to Tatis after the game. And then a few days later, he kind of walked it back, but his initial reaction was kind of stifling the enthusiasm of our best player that the best player that's ever going to be on the Padres ever. So that's all I'm going to remember Tingler for. Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't the best look. No. Um, I think that's it. Before we get into uh, lock of the week, we're going to do our interview with Eno Saris from the athletic MLB. So here's Eno. All right. Joining the show for the first time. It is Eno Saris from the athletic MLB. Follow him on Twitter at Eno Saris. It must be nice to have a name where you don't need to include any junk in it for Twitter handles. I mean, mm-hmm. so rare. Um, I was an early adopter. <laughs> I'm very late to the Twitter game, but um, thanks for coming on. Appreciate the time. And uh, I, I'm wondering, have you had to engage a, a ton of Padre people in the last couple of weeks? You've started posting some stuff on Twitter about what the Padre should be doing. And I imagine um, you must be a little tired of it by now. Uh, no, actually, I, I love uh, Padre's Twitter. Um, it's it's fun. It's boisterous. Uh, they're <laughs> actually they're actually not as. Um, uh, cutthroat or like just as like negative. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe uh, the the city being so awesome. Maybe it's the craft beer that is so great. Uh, maybe it's just the years of losing has made it a Whoa. little bit more chill. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I was going to say you're making you're making some friends right now until yeah, that and last then, comment. And then I had to throw some of that in, some shade in. Uh, but I, you know, uh, there are many other. Uh, Twitters like uh, <coughs> Cardinals Twitter or <coughs> Braves Twitter uh, that uh, I would rank far, far, far below Padres Twitter. Okay, good. Um, there is a dark side, so just keep an eye out for that in case you start saying any more things um, like we have a history of losing, you know, stuff like that. So. <laughs> uh, I'm, re- I'm well aware of it. I mean, I just put Jock Peterson on the uh, Padres in one plan that I tweeted out the other day, and mm. Uh, I also had them trading fan favorites like Camposano and uh, and uh, Patino and Morhan for for Snell. So uh, I definitely got some blowback. Um, uh, I just you know for me, Jock Peterson represents a potential value. I, I think he'll be go he'll go on like a one year eight million dollar deal. And uh, since he's been in the league, he's a top twenty five bat against. Uh, righties, and um, they have a righty uh, outfielder in Will Myers that's projected to be below average. So, you know, with or without the DH, I think Peterson could be helpful out there. All right. So I saw that and I was kind of defending Jock a little bit. Um, and it, it seems like Potter fans really have no interest in him just because I think they're scared off because of the loyalty to the Dodgers. But if he's a free agent and, you know, if he decides where he's going to go and it's the Padres, then it kind of seems like that's no longer an issue. And if that's the only problem people have with Jock Peterson, then it seems like kind of a, a minute one. Uh, I really, the, the closest that it ever comes to being turncoat is actually on the new team, um, you know, possibly saying something like, hey, you know, this guy does this or this guy does this. I noticed, you know, like uh, I, he's not going to strike out in a big uh, plate appearance against the Dodgers 
to mm-hmm. for the Dodgers to win. You know? <laughs> like I, I, these yeah. are very competitive people, and um, you know his his own career will be on the line in a one year deal, especially. He's playing for the next deal right from the minute he drops. He's not going to, you know, if someone gave him a huge long deal, maybe there'd be something there. But I, I, I can't imagine it. Did you see reports today that the Padres have tendered Tommy Pham? I hadn't seen that yet, but I do. Uh, I did expect it. I did expect it. I talked to an agent this morning and he thought that the idea of a non-tender uh, deadline bloodbath was going to be um, over was overwrought that most of the guys he had as an agent um, were getting normal deals um, and that's been the case so far you know there was a thing with Eddie Rosario and Tommy Pham where they're among the most expensive uh, they're probably in the top five most expensive arbitration deals that will be signed today Eddie Rosario got cut but I have mm. to point out, Tommy Pham has way better years by wins above replacement than Eddie Rosario in the last few years, and is projected to be better than Eddie Rosario next year, and is was cheaper than Eddie Rosario. So um, that's why I think in the end, Eddie Rosario got cut and Tommy Pham got kept. Does that kind of shut the door on any kind of Jock Peterson to the, the Padres scenarios? I don't though? think so. I don't think okay. so. Um, like I, I still, especially the big thing I think is to find out, uh, whether or not, uh, there's a DH, um, mm. and, and that'll, that'll change, uh, things a great deal. But, um, when you look at projections, um, Myers is still projected to be about a one win player, uh, in right field and two wins is considered, uh, league average. And just, I think, in general, uh, you could use more depth. I mean, right now, the depth is Greg Allen, Jorge Mateo, uh, or maybe Jorge Onya uh, yeah. coming up. And um, the first two have been proven not to be that great. And uh, Onya is unproven. So just getting like one more proven uh, bat out there would be good, I think. In terms of infield depth, Greg Garcia will function just fine. I want to go back to the Blake Snell trade for just a little bit because that's kind of what started you stirring the pot in San Diego a little bit. Adrian Morihone, Luis Camposano, Luis Patino for Blake Snell. That's something that you would recommend the Padres to do? Yeah. Um, I got a lot of feedback and it's hard to tell where prospect hugging ends and where legitimate feedback begins. There's a fine line. Yeah. Um, and, but most of the feedback from all corners was these deals are too expensive. So I'm willing to, to walk it back and, 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 and change some of the names around. Um, Mm. but I do think that, uh, Snell is a, uh, is under control for three years at a very good deal, uh, at about 10 million a year for three years. Um, and he's a top 15 pitcher, so he's an ace. Um, he has a lot of numbers in common with Blake's, uh, with Chris Sale when he when he was traded. And Chris Sale got a, a really nice package. Now, maybe Snell isn't the same, and obviously the innings totals are different because, A, the Rays don't pitch people um, you know, many innings, and B, we just came off a 2020 season where he pitched 50 innings. So um, I'm not saying he is Chris Sale, but I'm saying... He needs a good package. He needs a major leaguer, a young major leaguer 
plus prospects. That's what is going to get Blake Snell. So who is the young major leaguer that the Padres can trade to get Blake Snell? And to me, it's it's Morihan. Why do you think the Rays are, you know, dangling Blake Snell right now, especially coming off of a World Series appearance? This is just how they work. They're like the A's. You know, they, they're always trading people away and acquiring people. They're buying and selling at the same time. They only care about players in sort of two to three year increments. And they only want players for their two or three best years. And they want them to be gone. Think about Tommy Pham. They traded for yeah. Tommy Pham, had him for one year and traded him away. You know, so they just don't want to get stuck. You know, they got stuck with Kevin Kiermaier. Like they, they can't trade Kevin Kiermaier. Uh, and at this point, I doubt that they're going to attach a prospect. I don't even think that they're going to attach Blake Snell to Kevin Kiermaier to get rid of him. I think at this point, they're just going to swallow Blake, uh, Kevin Kiermaier, his contract, and just have him be a slightly overpaid defense-first center fielder. So, But they don't want that to happen. And so I think you've seen it with other players before. They'll trade a guy uh, in his peak uh, for, for more players. Then what the hell are we doing with the Rays? Like, can we move the Rays somewhere where they actually can – afford to compete season in and season out kind of like the Padres now are buying players and they're making big trades and they're sustainable. The Rays don't seem like they're sustainable. Let's, let's get them somewhere else and somewhere. Um, well, I, I'd argue they're, maybe in, they're sustainable in a way that maybe isn't um, amazing for fans or for the yeah. state of baseball. I mean, they're sustainable. I mean, look at the A's. They, they, they do this year in and year out. They're, they're, they're competitive and they trade everyone away and they trade for everyone, you know? Um, and what sucks for the, for anybody watching the A's or the Rays is you can't fall in love with your players. You know, Matt Chapman is not going to be an A for very long. Matt Olson is not going to be an A for very long. You know, uh, even Randy or Rosarena is not going to be a Ray for very long. So, you know, they, they, this is how they work. And this is what you do when you, um, you just have to be more cutthroat financially in certain markets. I'd actually argue that we're closer to expansion uh, than we are to moving those those teams. Um, expansion usually happens at times when owners need cash, and owners seem to be saying they need cash. So we'll see. So you think the Rays don't need to move, but do you think the organization, like let's say the A's and the Rays, do you think they prefer to be doing business this way, or do you think they would like the option, like, oh, we can we can afford to keep Blake Snell longer? Like, I'd rather do that. Yeah, I, I, I think generally ballparks are overrated. However, I think the one of the biggest wins for a ballpark anywhere is Petco Park. And I understand that gentrification is an issue, and I... I've seen what it's done. Like I, I have family in San Diego and there are a lot. I've seen what it's done in good ways and bad ways, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But I would say generally across, like if you sort of take the 30,000 foot um, uh, view, it's been good. And the reason it's been good is they didn't drop it into the middle of a bad place and say, make this place better. That's sort of what Oakland did. They put a stadium in the worst part of Oakland and nothing got better, and now they need to move again. What what they did was they put it on the edge of something that was already good, you know, uh, in terms of making money, in terms of uh, bringing in fans. The gas lamp district existed. They put it on the edge, and they extended the, the gas lamp district. And I'd argue that mostly good happened. The good things happened to Barrio Logan. 
I've yeah. been there recently. It's vibe. It's a vibrant community. Uh, there's lots of small businesses. I, I'm not speaking sort of post COVID everything. I, I haven't been outside, so I don't know. But uh, <laughs> but uh, before COVID, like it was a vibrant community. Two or three new breweries, great places to eat. Um, it just seemed like a good place to live. Um, and so I would argue that Petco is a shining example of what you can do with a ballpark. And I think that in Tampa and in Oakland, a new ballpark done correctly, privately financed, put in the right place with a thought for how people can get there uh, could increase revenue for these small teams. Yeah, it's a good point you bring up because a lot of people say that you just you build a new stadium in a crappy part of town and um, if you do it right, you know, look at San Diego like they did it. Um, there's a fine line between just building it in a place that you want to gentrify and then building it in a place that's already kind of nice and you want to improve certain areas. So I think most people kind of don't see the deeper underlying issues with that and they, they take the the view or the look that like they just want to improve one area and you can mm-hmm. just build a new billion-dollar stadium. Um, that's something that people need to consider. Yeah, if, if there's no reason to be around the stadium, then you'll just drive to the stadium, park there, and go to the stadium. That's what happens in Oakland. You you go to the stadium, you don't do anything around it. But there's a big parking lot surrounding it too. Yeah, that's the yeah problem. exactly. And when I go to Petco, I, you know, some of these places are closed. I, I used to love neighborhood, um, and uh, there's a couple there's a couple places that I like to go. I like Half Door. You know, uh, there's a couple places that that you can go good taco places, you know, you know, I like, I, I've been going actually more recently to Barrio Logan before the games because, because you can do that. So um, that just opens up a lot of stuff you can do pre and post game uh, as opposed to just getting in your car and going home. You mentioned expansion. And since we're in this neighborhood, let's talk a little more about expansion. A lot of people write, you know, f- like fictional articles about like, Oh, I'd like to see a team here, here, here. And then we could do this with realignment in the divisions. Where would you like to see um, expansion happen? You said we're closer to that probably than relocation. Well, I'm, I'm working on it. I I don't want to say that I know exactly where um, until I look at the numbers. I'm 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 in favor of a numbers based approach. I mean, the obvious candidates are Portland, uh, Montreal, Vancouver, um, uh, Charlotte, Nashville, and Orlando. Um, I would say that. I'd like to see Florida teams do better before I add another one. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and um, Charlotte seems very uh, clearly sort of Braves territory in terms of fandom. Um, but, uh, you know, what are Nashville fans? They're probably uh, Braves fans, too. So uh, Nashville, I like that it, it supports the Predators really hard. Um, and um, it could be an interesting part of the country to open up into. Um, and so I think sort of my personal favorites are Nashville. And then I'm, I, I kind of want to just wait and see what the numbers say about Vancouver, Montreal. And I, I went to an A game, uh, an A ball game in Montreal, in, in Vancouver, and it was sold out. And apparently it sells out all the time and people love it. It's a total single scene and it's like a whole thing. So I, I think Vancouver could support it. Portland obviously supports their soccer team. Um, so I think that there's, uh, and then Montreal, you know, it kind of seems like it deserves a team almost. <laughs> um, so I, I want to, I'm, I'm looking at a few key metrics, uh, to see if the, the numbers tell me anything. What's the, what's the single scene like in, uh, Vancouver? You trying to go on dates there and taking 
well, advantage of the. I'm <laughs> happily married and have two kids, but I went on okay. a sort of I went on like a bachelor trip there, um, okay. and it was a it was a wild moment. Uh, we there was like eight dudes uh, stumbling into what we thought would be an empty a ball ball ballpark, you know, um, mm. kind of on a weekend bender. Um, and then being like, why are all these people here? <laughs> and my friends uh, have nothing to do with baseball. Uh, and we were watching, you know, it's a ball. So we're watching these uh, skinny young dudes. And they're like, dude, is it your job to like look at little kids all the time? And I was like, whoa, oh, whoa, Jesus. whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> these are baseball players. I know they look very little. <laughs> yeah, that, that, guy, that guy, a little too many refreshments maybe from that guy. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I look I look up and down my line and, you know, uh, a bunch of my friends were, were talking to to people from around us. So it was a, it was a raucous. It was fun. And um, I, I think that they could they could uh, they could serve a team well. I would like that because I'm not a hockey guy, so I don't feel or in an NBA kind of somewhat, but they only have one Canadian team in the NBA. I'd kind of like some more partnership with Canada. It's right there in Mexico, too. That's what I, I, I should mention Monterey, like but yeah. Monterey, um, it, the good is that it's really far from any other team. So they're in new territory. The bad is it's really far from any other team. <laughs> so like just tr the travel would be pretty intense. Yeah, the, the thing with travel is like they could fix travel. I think I've had this opinion for a while that we should separate West and East Coast into the two leagues. And that would fix a lot of travel issues like why Seattle is playing um, the New York teams more often than like the Dodgers or the Giants. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, like if they did something like that with realignment, then couldn't the, the issues with Monterey kind of be fixed? I think that would help. Actually, the one of the sources, the biggest sources of home field advantage has been shown to be uh, how many time zones the visiting team um, had to travel through. So, um, you know, and that might be more even more than um, sort of just straight miles traveled, you know. So yeah. uh, and then we what's interesting about that, that idea is that we kind of uh, did it. So um, once you've done something once, maybe it's a little bit easier to do it again. You know what I mean? Like we kind of mm. we kind of just did it um, this year with the unbalanced schedule. You know, the East played the East and, and the and the West played the West. So I liked it a lot. It was interesting um, and it could be good for rivalries and it could kind of bring back that idea of this is the first time they've seen each other all year, which uh, was a was a kind of it used to be a thing when the World Series. How about this, though? Playoffs are mixed with seeding, though. So when you get to the playoffs, you're not just playing the same league again. It's a mix based on your record during the season. Oh. Yeah. So then we get that. They haven't seen each other all year early on. Yeah. You get it, you get it the whole postseason. Yeah. Um, yeah. And 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 obviously, playoffs are on the table for major changes. I, don't, I think last year was too many. Um, but I'm willing to listen to something that's in between what we had before and what we did last year. Boom. Love it. Okay. I'm into, I like, I like to make little changes here and there when you think, I think they need to be made and, um, yeah. baseball show and they're, they're open to it at least. Um, not the fandom is not always open to it, but, uh, <laughs> we just had a really disruptive event in 2020 and there is an opportunity maybe to use that to make some good changes where people won't even really remember what was, what we did in 2019. Yes. Change, change, make it happen. Um, with the short season, like let's go, let's go back to last season just for a little bit. 
a lot of weird shit obviously happened and some players really outperformed some players really underperformed teams likewise who do you think were the standouts from those two perspective perspectives um of people or teams over and underperforming and then how do you is like a projection guy kind of forecast what to expect coming off of a year like that um what was really interesting is i did some research into like what a good representative sample was for teams and uh in terms of team winning percentage and 60 games was actually on the correct side of it in fact you don't actually learn too much more about the true talent of a team after 60 games than you do in the, in those 60 games. Um, and I think what happens is um, in 60 games, you uh, establish a true talent. And a lot of times you you run out to, to a lead and then you start resting players or you start getting injuries and um, that introduces noise. But I mean, when I look at, at the thing, the only team that really surprises me on the like they did better than they should have was the Marlins. Um, you know, there wasn't really a, a team where I was like, uh, you know, the Astros beat 29 and 31. I think they were a better team than that. Um, so, but we're, we're, that's like pretty small margins. Like, I think maybe the Astros should have gone like 33 and 28 instead of 29 and 31, you know, like I'm not, uh, you know, 32 and 28 instead of 29 and 31. Like, I don't think, um, anybody was just like, whoa, that was ridiculous. Um, you know, even the Padres, who were the biggest, one of the biggest, I think the biggest gainer uh, year over year from 2019 to 2020, they're projected right now to be the fourth best team in baseball next year. Yeah. So, so. I wanted to ask you about that because there were there were expectations for the Padres to be pretty good and they mm -hmm. were, you know, a little better than they probably uh, should have been or could have been. And now there's these injuries like Clevenger, who, well, I guess preseason, no one expected there to be a Clevenger yeah, kind of guy be there anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and now he's, he's still not there, but um, <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot of questions uh, like how legitimate was it? And now there's all these expectations. Like you think they could be the fourth best team. You said if they add Blake Snell, they could, or you, you throw out this idea where they add, um, I have it written the down, small Rosenthal. Small yeah, ads, yeah. Little Rosenthal, ads here and there. It was, and they could be they, the third best team yeah. in baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like just these little moves that, so they're, they're already really good according to by really good. I mean, a top four team is like a team that can contend for a world series. Yeah. 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 They're, they're, they're right there. That's one of the reasons I like the Snell trade is that, um, you know, with Clevenger out, um, you know, what do you, would you rather have pitching depth, mm -hmm. um, or, uh, or standout pitching, right? Uh, and if there was somebody on the Padres a little bit over his skis last year, I think it was probably Davies. So I just don't think he's like a front end guy. Um, and so you're relying on Paddock and Morahan and Gore to become front end guys right now. And Patino, right. You're, yeah. you, you kind of need one of them to be a front end guy because it's kind of Lamette um, as the only guy that you can say, OK, he's probably front end. And then, then there's just a bunch of guys. If you were saying Lamette Snell and then a bunch of guys, you just say, oh, yeah. Let's go. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's yeah. why I, that's why I put them in the mix for Snell. That's what I thought that that could be. The other way of doing it is just saying, hey, no, we got Lamette as a frontline guy, and we think Paddock, Morahan, or Gore can turn into the front guy, line guy quick, and so let's do this. But the reports from the alternate side on Gore were not great. Okay, so let's go there for a little bit because I, I haven't really heard too much about Gore, and I try to always ask anyone I can, like, why wasn't I mean, he called I, up this year? Patino was in the bullpen, like so. It's almost like it's almost like rumors, but yeah, um, there were rumors of velocity loss. Um, and if you want to look past the rumors, they never called them up. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they could they could have used him. So there were there were a lot of times where you're like, where's Gore? So they were desperate by the yeah, by the playoffs. They had nobody. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> like everybody went down and they didn't call him up. So I don't think Gore's in a great place. Um, and then Patino, I, I love Patino, and I actually love Patino more than Gore coming up. And uh, the, I was fairly disappointed in his season, and this is why. Uh, I have a number called Command Plus that tries to look at command, um, and he had basically reliever-level command. Um, mm. And I think that was borne out like with, with watching him, you know? Um, so I, I don't know if he needs to sort of, like, throw one pitch more um, often that he can command better and one pitch less often that he can't command. That's one way to kind of change your command. Um, or... If it was just a weird season for him, there's a lot of weird seasons for everybody. Um, but um, I don't know that I necessarily see him as a frontline starter without some major change. And I think Paddock is actually closer to making that change because Paddock, A, has shown you that he can be a front-end starter and B, added pitches. And I think the added pitches hurt him a little bit because he lost the ride on his fastball when he started throwing the cutter and the curve. Um, but... I have hope that Paddock can come back with the cutter and the curve and the ride on his fastball. And if he can do that, um, there's very few people that have command, a plus changeup, and above average to plus breaking balls, and at least average velocity. I mean, that's that's um, ace territory. So uh, I, if they if they believe in Paddock and they like what they, they see with Paddock, they won't do that. I don't think they have the, the money for Bauer. Um, and I don't even know if they have the money for Sugano if they also want to get some relievers. So that's why yeah. that's why I sort of sort of said either trade for Snell or just buy these other guys. It was it was Rosenthal. Um, it wasn't Richards because I guess Peterson. Both, Peterson. What was the pitcher? And Taiwan Walker. Taiwan Walker. But that's a decent group of players. It's kind of a depth play where you just make sure you have veterans at positions that make the people in front of them better. So, so you think Rosenthal, what we saw last year is, you know, realistic going forward because when we got him, uh, my first reaction was like, he, he's pretty hit or miss the last couple of years. Oh yeah. No, um, I think he's hit or miss. If they have the money, then, uh, go get Hendricks. Um, but, okay. uh, there's not really a sure thing. Otherwise, I, I mean, maybe a Brad hand reunion. Um, did he sign? I don't. I haven't heard anything about him signing. Thanks, he signed. A Brad Hand reunion could make sense as long as it's it's not too much money, um, but uh, that would be a little bit awkward. Hand being a lefty and Pomerantz being a lefty. Um, so I, there's no obvious other than Hendricks. There's no obvious one. So I just figure um, throw uh, throw Rosenthal in there. I, yes, obviously his command is is really bad, and uh, in you saw it in San Diego. There were games yeah. where you're like, "Ooh, are we going to finish this one? Um, I, Austin Adams is good. Dan Altavilla is good. But I don't see um, a guy on their roster other than Pomerantz um, that is closer ready. One option or options I haven't heard you mention are the players coming from the NPB and the KBO for this upcoming season. The guys who have been posted. How, how dialed in are you right now on those guys and um where do you think the, the top a, talent ends up? I did a piece today, um, and most of the pieces, um, I, you know, most of the guys coming over look like depth, back end type of options. The two 
the most exciting guys are Ha Seong Kim. Uh, he's a shortstop from Korea. I don't think the Padres need him. Uh, but the other one is Tomoyuki Sagano, um, who is going to come over. Um, he's a Cy Young winner in Japan. He has numbers on the level of Masahiro Tanaka uh, and Kenta Maeda. So I think it'll take, you know, five years uh, 50 million or 60 million plus the posting fee. Um, and from what I'm gather, the, the, um, the payroll number is going to be around 150 million, um, and roster resource on Fangraphs. Once you put in, um, all the extraneous stuff says they're already at 130 million. Um, so I just don't know if they have 20 million to spend, are they going to spend 15 of it on Sagano and then just try and find a reliever and a platoon outfielder? Um, maybe. But uh, I think then the bullpen could be uh, a little bit shaky. Or just trade for Blake Snell. That seems like it's a lot easier and cheaper. It is, but then you do affect your depth negatively. Now you got uh, yeah. Davies, Snell, Paddock. Um, depending on what pitchers go, uh, you, you're slotting well, Matt, rookies yeah. there. You're starting to start to, um, yeah, Davies, Davies, Paddock, Snell, Lamette. Yeah, that's good. That's four. Um, good. And, then, and then you're just, uh, then you're using the rest of your young pitchers, Patino, Gore, whoever stays behind as fifth starters in depth. But they don't have Are the you... money for Bauer. Bauer's going to take no. uh, like one year and 30 million, um, I think, most likely. And I just, I don't see that working out. Good for him. He timed that career year pretty nicely so <laughs> go get your money um are you a gambling guy at all uh, a little bit uh, my dad has been gambling forever and that's sort of how i got into baseball but um i, I prefer fantasy but um where's yeah. this going uh just looking at futures for next season uh padres plus 1100 white Sox also plus 1100 braves at 12 rays at 14 just do you like any of those teams um, well, uh, I've got the, uh, those are, the like, value. those are what I see as the value picks. I mean, there's the top teams, right. obviously the Dodgers and the, but you know, these are the teams that I think it's worth spending a little bit of money on. I think the Padres would be worth it. I mean, like I said, right now they are projected to be the fourth best team in baseball. Um, and there's a lot of player movement left, but you have to think that the Padres are going to be thinking of themselves as win now team. Whereas, um, you know, the Indian, the Mets might you know, jump into the mix with the Padres if they spend a bunch of money. Uh, but the Indians are behind them. And I don't see that the, I don't think the Indians are necessarily going to add talent. They may even subtract talent. Um, and the Angels are so far behind them that I don't think uh, even a good offseason from the Angels is going to catch the Padres. Um, and um, I don't know where the Astros are. That's who the Padres are tied with. So I think it's super likely that the Padres come out of this uh, postseason scrum, uh, this uh, you know offseason scrum, as a top three, four team. Interesting. Okay, keep that in mind. It's a little early, uh, but you know, never too early for futures, I guess. How long have you been at the Athletic? I don't have a subscription yet, but it's like you know the movie that sits in your DVR for two years that you mean you like try to watch, but you just can't get around oh, to it. Oh, we got a one dollar a month deal, dude. Now's the time. Now's the time. Now's the, how's how long that how how long does that last for? Um, I think uh, today's the last day. Oh um, man, that's terrible. But if timing you follow if you follow my <laughs> podcast, um, I think there's a, a day. I think we might have uh, the rest of the week. Um, so check out my podcast is Rates and Barrels. And then uh, whatever deal comes off of that is the best deal I can offer you right now. I think it's the $1 a month. 
Um, All right. I may jump on that and then the people listening to this tomorrow will get screwed. But if they check out your podcast, maybe they can get a little bit back. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> I like that dangling out there. Um, Eno Saris, follow him at Eno Saris on Twitter. Listen to the, the podcast Rates and Barrels, right? That's it. Must, uh, yeah, there you go. So follow him, read him, Athletic MLB, and then uh, pay for the subscription. Sounds like it's cheaper than it's ever been right now, which is a good deal. Um, anything else you're writing or uh, preparing to write that we should keep an eye out for? Yeah, uh, I've got a piece coming out. One of the things that I love about The Athletic, and I've, I've been there since, um, I think, 2018. I, the weird thing was that I was a freelancer there first before I, I started full-time. But um, one of the things I love doing is is collaborating with people, and they've got such a great staff. I'm collaborating with Britt Garoli and Melissa Lockhart um, on a piece about um, the main question is, um, with the having lost a year of the minor leagues, um, is is baseball going to be worse for it going forward? So we look at the numbers. We talk to a bunch of player development executives. We talk to players. So um, I think that'll be a, a good piece that it should go up on Monday. All right. Keep an eye out for that. Thanks uh, for coming on again. Thanks for having me. All right. Special thanks to Eno Saris again. Please go read all of his work. Sign up for this subscription to The Athletic. He was talking about a, a hot new deal where it's a dollar a month. I think that might expire today or tomorrow, depending on when you listen to this. Um, go check out his podcast. He, he referenced it during the show, too. Maybe he gives out uh, – I think he's, he's going to give out some kind of deal on his podcast, too. So go sign up for The Athletic. Wade, do you subscribe to The Athletic yet? I do not. But I just have to say that was a very nice interview out of you. Oh, thank you. Were you, were you listening? Yep. <laughs> uh, fate of the week is the new segment. It's been very successful so far. I'm one and zero on fate of the week. I took, I mean, I announced it last week of the week, so you should have listened. And, and by that logic, I am one and zero. So Tampa Bay minus three and a half did not cover. Uh, one and that's all. I mean, that's Wade. Do you have a Lock of the week this week or a fade of the week? I'm going to go with the Philip Rivers led Indianapolis Colts minus three against the roid raging Houston Texans. Um, Texans have several guys. You're just out. mad because your fan your your fantasy team got screwed up. That's the only reason why you're taking the Colts. This is a revenge pick. Sometimes revenge picks work out, Ryan. Somebody but yes, that, that, that is my logic. I am pissed that my wide receiver Fuller is out coming into playoffs in fantasy. Yes, you have called me out. Yeah. Um, so the Colts interesting because every time I try to pick the Colts game, I'm on the wrong side of it. I never know how to pick the Colts. I'm going with a couple. These are two other teams I'm never on the right side of. It's been a it's been a bad year. Uh, not shockingly. Um, I'm taking the Titans minus six at home versus the Cleveland Browns. I think the Browns. It's, it's a lot of points. I get that. But the Browns haven't shown any offensive capability basically since Odell Beckham got hurt. And the Titans are hot, which means that your fate of the week is the Cleveland Browns plus six. Does it count if I announce it or do you have to do I have to stay with my Titans pick? I stay with the Titans, right? You have to stay with the Titans. You can't I have to flop. I have to wink at the audience and say I'm taking the Titans so now this you can just my... win on both sides. This is completely unfair. No, this is a this I'm announcing my <laughs> fade of the week. I'm announcing my fade of the week. So t- I'm picking the Titans and you are fading me. That's the pick. Okay. Okay. Fade away. Fade away. 
Um, fade of the weeks, I mean, I'm one and zero. Lock of the weeks, I am one four and one. So do that with as you may. Uh, thank you all for listening. Please follow the show's Twitter account at Friar Farmhands. And if you enjoy the show, subscribe. We're on all your favorite platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. Leave your comments, questions, concerns, and your rating of the show on all those platforms. Do you, remember, you know this part, Wade? You've been listening to Believe in Padres Prospects Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. San Diego's number one sports podcast network. That's Ryan Hart. I am Wade. We'll talk to you all next week. Real G's. Real G's move in silence like lasagna. Toward your destination. Though you may find from time to time. I switched to Wi-Fi. Is that better for you? Oh, shit. They didn't score at all. God damn it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.